You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 54. It depends on where the balance of power happens to be in this period of time, and 5G might just shift the balance of power back to the servers. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone, to The Local Maximum. February 18th, 2019. Welcome to The Local Maximum. I hope you enjoyed uh, last week's episode where I got my behavioral assessment done. And as promised, this week we are going to hear the rest of the conversation I had with Aaron from two weeks ago. This is about uh, the upcoming 5G standard and takeaways from the recent Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, A couple of reasons why we're going over this. What do you get out of this as a listener? Yes, some of this is a little bit out of our area of expertise, but one thing that we're trying to do here on The Local Maximum is to give you some way of forecasting technology and imagining the products of our future and how to navigate that. And that's why we really need to dig into this. So what does it really mean when we get more bandwidth? And what are these companies that are selling AI, you know, the ones that have a real product in mind, the ones that aren't just fluffing themselves up, they say they want to build, you know, digital assistance, what can they really accomplish? And is there a connection between the two or not? So join me today in this discussion. This is an open discussion. I want, um, you know, I want some feedback on this. I, I invite you. And by the way, please correct me if I need to be corrected on some of the specifics. So for example, I learned after I recorded that this that uh, text messaging, the SMS protocol, that came out in the 2G standard, not a 3G standard. So maybe I can get dinged on that. It's hard to keep track of all the 2G, 3G, 4G, hard to keep track of all this. These come out like once every 10 years. Um, so for those of you who know more about these wireless standards than I do, I welcome your impact to correct the record, localmaxradio at gmail.com. So again, I ask, what does all of this mean, if anything, for virtual reality, for self-driving cars, for security, and for augmented reality? And by the way, augmented reality is really being, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to say that it's at the top of the hype cycle, but I think we're in the portion of the of the cycle of hype, <laughs> cycle of hype, uh, where the, the product thinkers are really coming out with their grand visions. If you Google around on this, you'll see. There's this idea being popularized in the last few weeks. They're calling it the mirror world. Think of a huge representation of the whole planet, sort of like a souped up Google Earth that you can kind of walk around in and explore. And then you could add some extra things, extra game elements that don't exist. Like, uh, I don't know, like maybe dinosaurs. I think we could use a T-Rex walking through Madison Square Park or something like that. See what that would look like. I don't know what this is useful for, but um, people want to build it. So I'll just uh, post uh, all the links on that on localmaxradio.com slash 54, which you should check out. Without anything further, let's bring up the discussion. Yeah, so so this we originally started looking into this in, in the wake of CES, which I guess is now a, a few weeks old, but uh, it was really kind of a, a preview of what is what is 2019 going to gonna have in store for us. So given given that we're what, uh, about 8% into, into 2019, I, I think this is all still pretty relevant. Right, right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the idea of 5G network, that is going to be big news. Um, well, we don't know how big the news is going to be yet, and that's the open question. Well, the news but is it will big, be news. But, but yeah, what's yeah. what's the impact going to really be? Right, right, right. And we'll talk about that. But that's but that is going to be on 
people's minds for the next several years. And so it's important to start talking about that so we understand what 5G is and what um, and, and, and how to think about it in terms of the next wave of consumer products. Is, this, is it as big as 4G, which was pretty big, or, or is it not? So let's, I'm looking at, in particular, this uh, New Year's Eve article in the New York Times called 5G, What You Need to Know. Um, and so for those of you who remember, um, you know, these generations of um, uh, cellular networks, they come out once every 10 years. And the reason why it's, it, 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 the reason why there's such a long kind of lag time in this is that each generation requires new infrastructure. It uses different radio band frequencies, which I don't understand that much. I understand a little bit about it. Um, so it, it entire, it, it really requires building out a whole new network. Yeah, well, it's, it's, the, it, it's kind of multifaceted because uh, there, there needs to be kind of industry agreement on yes. how we're going to define this. There so I want to get be- out to that. It's not like someone, it's not like Verizon comes out and say, hey, guess what, everyone? We just invented 5G. Here it is. Give it a try. No, that's not what happens. They all get together and they say, this is a standard. This is how the radio, fre- this is how the radio bands are going to be used. This is how the, um, the messages are going to be- get encoded and decoded. Um, and these are going to be the capabilities that we're going to allow. And then the companies can build the network through those specifications and, and, and not only do the, and they work with each other. Not, not only do the big industry players have to come to an agreement on that, but uh, because uh, bandwidth, the airwaves are a, uh, a collective resource, uh, they need to get you know, FCC approval and buy-in for how they're doing that as well, uh, and, and possibly uh, the, the allocation of that that bandwidth, um, which I, yeah. I guess the allocation of the bandwidth kind of preceded that. I think there were a couple of years back, there was a, an auction of, of big sections of bandwidth. I don't know if that's directly tied into the development of 5G, but it wouldn't surprise me that how that was freed up and then uh, purchased by different uh, different carriers uh, heavily influenced how they decided to define this next generation that will will take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. So um, each generation kind of brings brand new capabilities. I believe it was, I'm not sure which one, I think it was, was it 3G that brought texting? I think it was 3G. Uh, the, so that's that, a good example. That rolled out SMS? Yes. Or, or, was, or was, was, was there texting before SMS? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. I do know, though, that the original iPhone, even though 3G was available at the time, was 2G. And there were a lot of kind of smartphones at the time, the Razor, et cetera, that were coming out in the mid-2000s. The Razor that's uh, coming back? Yeah, the Razor that's coming back, uh, that were essentially, uh, I mean, the Razor's not that old. I don't know. It's, it's 10 years old. It's, um, those were, they marketed those as being internet-capable phones. But if you ever used one at the time, you realize, like, technically, yes, it's internet-capable, but is it practical? Um, no, it's not practical. So, because it's just way too slow. So the three G ones were the first ones that were really practical, and the four G ones um, were the ones where you really had um, all of these applications come to life. Even Foursquare, and I, I know Foursquare existed before four G, but really, um, uh, uh, before four G, it was really such a pain in the neck to. Um, to do a lot of things. There's a lot of waiting and particularly something with Foursquare yeah, well, and the information now 
it's uh, it's a big deal. And especially if you, we wanted, you know, in 2011, when people were starting to get 4G phones, like we wanted to add pictures and photos and Twitter was adding photos and, and they were adding videos and videos especially, you really need 4G for, for that sort of a thing. And so that's... Um, 4G's was coming out, I guess, somewhere around the turn of the decade, I don't know, 2010. And so um, then you saw the app craze, I guess, where all of these uh, all of these apps are jumping on the bandwagon and building a lot of features um, that um, previously could not have been built. Yeah, well, and, and I remember the uh, the era when uh, not not only was was text messaging, SMS messaging still fairly new but you know you you either had a, a plan that included x number of text messages or you paid by the message which which is kind of unheard of now that pretty much every plan comes with unlimited sms of, of some sort right right Be, because that's I, so minuscule compared to the amount of data that we use for everything else yeah yeah so the question is now you know what is it okay what what capabilities will 5g allow uh, that will change the game with our phones, or will it just be if it, just a little faster? Doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And also, like I'm re- remembering, and just this is just kind of a devil's advocate, like regular person on the street issue that um, you know uh, t- to consider. Um, or maybe I'm just gonna I'm complaining about what just happened to me. I brought my <laughs> <laughs> I brought my iPad iPad uh, down, and this is really with both um, both wireless and the 4G network that I'm on, it didn't matter. I, bu- I brought my iPad jet down to the gym. Okay, I wanted, to watch, I wanted to watch a video on it. I wanted to stream something on Netflix while I was on the elliptical, right? And so it turned out that the Netflix app was in the cloud, okay? Okay. No big deal. I should be able to download my Netflix app, right? And so I clicked to download my Netflix app, and... Whether it was the Wi-Fi in the gym, which is pretty fast, it might be considered, it might be uh, similar to what 5G might be, or um, whether I was using my 4G cellular network, it wouldn't download because while I was sleeping, uh, the iPad thought it would be a good idea to download my entire Apple photo library, and it was out of space. And so <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the frustrations that we deal with on a day-to-day basis are not about network speeds. We're dealing with server speeds uh, from from the uh, companies that we're dealing with. We're dealing with, you know, software glitches or abnormalities. And so there's a lot of things I think this will not fix. Um, you know, it will not be... The, the science fiction always shows, like, the technology just works immediately. I would like to see a science fiction where... There's really cool, unbelievable technology, but there are like these little uh, glitches that happen along the way because, you know, just technology does that. Um, yeah, but- one, one of the use cases they, they keep throwing out in descriptions of, of the advantages of 5G is that, oh, you'll be able to download a, a feature length film in seconds instead of, you know, 10 minutes. How, and it's well, how many? But- I've never wished. Yeah. But but um, unless the use case is, oh, I have connectivity now and I'm about to go into the subway and I won't and I need to get this or, you know, I'm about to go on an airplane where I won't have connectivity. And so I need to download it all right now. And you do have it on the airplane now. Yeah. But 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 the actual use case is, well, if if I can download it fast enough so that I just stay ahead of where I am and can stream it, then that's perfectly suitable. Yeah. So I am pretty sure that that will not be the killer app, but it will be something that will be 
you know, given as an example. And it is quite amazing to think, okay, yeah, I, mean, it's, it, you I can think it's more of a benchmark of, yeah. of measuring how much the speed increases than a realistic use case for justifying it. Yeah, yeah. And another thing they're saying is several order of magnitudes reduced latency. And again, I don't know exactly what the, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to get a sense of what frustrations are caused by network latency and what are caused by other issues. And well, so, yeah, I mean, network latency is a big deal for anything where uh, the actual work is being done in the cloud. And so yeah. it's it's not a question of the size of the pipe, but but how much time it's taking to, to talk back and forth. Um, or some of the, the more advanced uh, use cases they're talking about that, that go beyond what we currently use our, our yeah. cellular so network for. Um, that's so, what I wanted to get... That's what I wanted to get into um, because, so first of all, there is the possibility that this could be kind of a, kind of a dud. I don't want to like um, <laughs> say, you know, everything I talk about, I kind of like say, look at the possibilities here. Um, but sometimes technology comes out and it turns out, yeah, 2G was a huge deal. 3G was a huge deal. 4G was a huge deal. 5G maybe not as big of a deal well, and, and um, it, it wouldn't because, be unprecedented because um yeah. what was it ymax was supposed to change the way that uh, internet was brought to to less developed parts of of america and and I, I i don't think that ever really got off the ground other than some basic test cases that it, it wouldn't be the first time something in in this this wireless communication spectrum was overhyped and underdelivered. yeah sure um so I think that um, one of the applications that people are talking about, and this is something that I've spoken about, uh, I, I think um, I, I mentioned it with Dennis on episode seven, or he mentioned it, was uh, augmented reality, which people are really interested in. Um, a, lot of, a lot of product people are really interested in, and, and gaming people are really interested in the idea of augmented reality. You see it a lot in you know, Apple demos. And actually, there are a lot of people who are interested in augmented reality, you know, outside of gaming as well for like, um, you know, um, uh, you know, real uh, industrial purposes. Um, but we have the processing power on the phone for that. But the idea is, if you want to um, do the processing power in the cloud for augmented reality, um, the idea is, maybe you can build new and fantastical things into the existing world through the phone that um, I, I, I don't know what people would build, but creative people maybe will build some very interesting use cases on that. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the, you know, my, my, uh, my creative thinking on that is, is limited at this time. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I, I'm well, trying so, to so rack my brain. Yeah. Not not uh, directly tied to augmented reality, but you mentioned uh, industrial applications, and yes, and one I've of the places demos on. that that latency comes in as as a big deal is in in that industrial use case, and that's that's where the 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 buzzword I think is is edge computing is has become very important. That uh, you you don't necessarily want to have all your your heavy uh, computing resources out on your manufacturing floor. That that's not a viable solution and having it all up in the cloud, the latency is too long that, that you have safety concerns that, uh, you know, cause something goes wrong on the, on the 
manufacturing floor with robots and there's a latency delay and that could cause uh, significant damage or even risk to life. Uh, so they, they've come up with these solutions where instead of being in the cloud, they're on the edge where they have basically their own cloud there and a solution in place that provides extremely low latency, but allows them to offload a lot of that processing to the local cloud. Um, yeah. And, and so I mean, I if you imagine... can provide this on a, a much wider spread basis uh, as, as opposed to, you know, in a single industrial factory uh, factory floor, but to, you know, a city to have that, that same low latency capability, uh, then there, there's significant uh, opportunities for, for leveraging that. So what do you think? Let's try to be more specific. Like <laughs> what, like give, give maybe a story of uh, what you see someone using this for. Like, um, as an example, like a specific industry, a specific problem. Uh, that's so. That's a tricky one, but uh, I mean, I, I guess the 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 use case in the factories is is pretty much always involves some sort of robotics or some some semi autonomous system like that. Um, and and if if you can spread the net where this this low latency network uh, is is effective beyond you know a single tightly controlled facility. Uh, then, then what's to prevent uh, these, you know, the the Amazon style uh, uh, warehouse robots from operating outside of the warehouses and, you know, basically re- replacing your uh, your UPS man if if you've got a system where they can travel through the city now uh, as as little autonomous package delivers. It's it's not nearly as sexy as uh, as the Amazon drones, although. Uh, if if this system is as reliable and low latency as they say it is, then that could very well be uh, part of the of what they use to control the drones as well. Do you think this is really something that you need five G for? Do you need it? No, but uh, having a low latency, high bandwidth solution that that ties into that is very attractive because uh, yeah, I, mean, part, uh, I could see that especially so so in the drone case. Um, Especially of, when you need the to problem. get in touch with these things, you, you need to have a control panel. A, a control panel, like I, there's got to be someone sitting there in in central command, not central command. There'll be different ones, but like I could imagine someone watching, you know, five deliveries unfold at once, um, or you could even have it automated. And so sometimes you have to reroute things very quickly. Well, part part of the problem is that with, what it is. But I feel like drones. rerouting something is not. Yeah, sorry. Is is that they they need to have all of the so either they're they're being flown, you know, by a pilot line of sight uh, yeah. or they have some level of uh, autonomous capability. We're talking so, about the drone now. Yeah. So so, you know, if if they lose uh, connection to to their uh, to, to their home base, then they have some pre-programmed behavior or some series of behaviors that will allow them to safely you know, bring themselves down or, or continue on to their destination. Uh, but but if you have a system in place that's highly reliable with low latency and high bandwidth, uh, you don't need all of that hardware and that intelligence on board. You can move that back into your server farm at, at the home base. And now you've either uh, reduced the, the size, weight and power consumption of your drone or you've exchanged that uh, for for additional cargo capacity or uh, additional endurance or uh, or distance capability. Yeah, I uh, see. So it allows you to offload um, computation into the server. So I can think. Yeah, and, I'm, and, I'm imagining. And there's been mention of doing this in, in autonomous cars yeah. as well. 
Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. I can tell you what I'm imagining. Let's say I am in uh, an empty theater, um, an empty um, soundstage, and okay. s- someone's going to be performing there soon. And I can hold up my phone or my iPad or whatever and say, okay, put the, you know, uh, put the speakers over there. Um, you know, put a giant prop over there. Um, you know, put the uh, the sound equipment over there, and like, and put the people over there, and then have them start doing their act. So it's like some kind of a um, uh, a, a uh, augmented reality concert type situation, and maybe I'm using it because I'm actually trying to set up the concert. I'm trying to do the uh, I'm trying to do the logistics um, and the choreography and whatnot uh, to make sure it all works and it all looks good. Um, that could be an example of like, and look, I know it's industrial application, but it's like a, <laughs> it's a, it's a business application. Um, but um, again, could the phones just do that? Or is there a benefit to having this virtual world in the cloud um, with the computation, you know, in, in servers is, is that I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, yeah. Well, and I don't it, know if we've talked about this, uh, on the show before, but uh, I, I, there's a lot of discussion in the video game world about the next generation of consoles there, and what what route they're going to take. Um, and and my speculation is is that there's going to be a greater push to have less uh, less hardware in the console at the consumer side. That it's going to be more of um, kind of a, a server terminal uh, paradigm. Um, that, that you, you you saw a couple generations it's, ago it's in the amazing. computing world. Yeah, because... it's amazing how that comes back and forth. There seems yeah. to be cycles where the smarts go into your personal computer, the, the computing power, essentially, and then it's like, no, it's better to put the computing power back into the server. And, there, and it, it seems like it's almost, it depends on where the balance of power happens to be in this period of time, and 5G might just shift the balance of power back to the servers. Yeah, because well, if... If if latency and and processing power are a concern, then there are definite benefits to doing everything locally. But if you can get down to uh, sufficiently low latency that it's undetectable to uh, to, to to humans, or uh, at least undetectable to humans of the uh, the sensitivity that that your consumer class is at. So so maybe your world class StarCraft players will still be using, you know, custom custom gaming rigs because those uh couple of couple of microseconds of, of additional latency make a difference there. But for most users it's it's not going to be uh be effective. So you you have uh cheaper, less complex uh hardware on the user side and you're running everything through the pipe on your server farm and then all of a sudden you know, you, you can have your next generation uh, console. It doesn't actually require changing the consumer side hardware. You're just changing what's running on the, you know, the Amazon Web Services uh, server farm uh, and maybe swapping out some of your GPUs in, in your own facility. Uh, and, and so you can roll that out to the consumer and you move to a, you know, gaming platform as a subscription service instead of every five to 10 years, you buy the next generation of physical console. Right, I could see that in the, the, the world that everyone interacts with is, is on a central server. You, well, you, you and I, we remember playing Rise of Nations where I think that um, the, the, wor- the very simple world that uh, in these old games is, 
I think, on one of the participants' computers. And then everybody has to kind of download that in real time. And with the and, and it's it's a mess. Yeah, this some somebody is, and, is and there's always a, host. There's always a bug with like the um, the merging of the information because there isn't <laughs> like one central place of where it really complicates things. So other areas where low latency really matters, I could think of one is high frequency trading, which I don't think I, I want to get into here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the second one, as you mentioned, are uh, self-driving cars, which you talked about in episode 43. Uh, well, connected cars. Connected cars is different from self-driving cars. You could have a connected car without it being self-driving. I feel like there are a lot of safety features that could come from cars being connected. And that's, say, every Tesla car can talk to nearby Tesla cars. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and, and I mean, kind of the, the brass ring for connected cars is the... Uh, it, when you combine that with autonomous vehicles is the the uh, kind of self-assembling train model where cars are now traveling in the far left lane at, you know, 200 miles an hour bumper to bumper because the autonomous, you know, the the uh, the self-driving algorithm can do that uh, while talking God, that to would be the scary. other cars. And, Aaron, imagine and then... getting into a car and then it takes you <laughs> bumper to bumper 200 miles an hour. And but but like... there are no human drivers in that lane. And so, yeah. It's like calm down, go we're, to sleep. You will we're, be. We're fine. not there yet, but, like, but that's yeah. that's kind of that's that's the model that that people are talking about eventually getting to for for max, you know, maximum efficiency gains there. Yeah, but um, in the and, short term, and obviously you want to have really really tight control loops between the vehicles there, so that you don't have somebody you know making a, a course correction slightly out of time with the rest of the caravan and causing a you know fifteen car pile up or something. Do you feel like though? Um, something more of a mesh network might work better for that, uh, where the cars are talking directly to each other. Well, so I am shocked that that I mean, hasn't been know. deployed not, already. Because yeah, yeah. th- there there are, and, and maybe it's not as widespread as it once was, but there was, there was definitely a period where cars were coming out with their own built-in uh, wireless access points, essentially. Sure. Um, sure. I mean, we have them on the buses. You know, I yeah. took a bus well, to so, DC so, a couple weeks ago. If you get a, a, a critical mass of those out there, instead of uh, you know me having a a, a a cell subscription essentially that that runs to my car or or you know some a satellite connection to my car that then broadcasts to the people inside of it a a wireless network, a Wi-Fi network, why not have every, you know all the cars making an ad hoc uh, mesh network where they yeah. they connect to I, each other? I should other slow and down and realize that we have. Infinitely extend this. We have a broad audience here. So a mesh network is um, just imagine like each car is talking to all the nearby cars and you you don't have the the um, the 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 cellular network is not even included. It's just direct peer to peer. Well, it's 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 much like how the Internet is structured. Right. uh, In in a larger sense that there's there's not like a, a single path to get somewhere. There, there are multiple ways you can get there, and if one drops out, then it, it reroutes around those, and it, it, it it's dynamically changing as necessary. 
Yeah. So I think I think we've speculated on how a bunch of these things can work, but I suspect that there are a lot of listeners out there that know a whole lot more about oh, this. Oh, for sure. And <laughs> so um, if you are one of those listeners, please send, uh, send me your information at localmaxradio uh, gmail.com because I have a feeling there's some stuff that we either skipped or maybe one of our suggestions. Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if one of the suggestions that I mentioned um, maybe doesn't work or maybe already works without 5G. Yeah, we we, we is... may have talked beyond our expertise quite a bit. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But I'm just ba- basing it on s- the article that I'm reading and some of the stuff that I've already known. This comes out um, somewhere. It's a phased rollout. It should start Sometime this year, Q2 2019, uh, I think we'll start seeing it in our mobile phones. I bet it won't be in the iPhone this uh, this year. But it right, yeah. Be so they, they've said Apple is not going to come out with a 5G phone until 2020, um, which yeah. which begs the question: Is Apple missing out on something? Are they making a tactical mistake, or have they judged the situation accurately and said there's no point in us coming out with a a consumer product that has support for this until there's the infrastructure is in place to actually deliver it. Yeah. Until they have an idea of what they're selling, like what, yeah, well, cause, like, cause what is it you, that we can do with it? That th- th- they need to have some research time to say, what is it that we can do with it that we can sell? Because 5g will be a big selling point when they come out with the first 5g iPhone, or they're going to try to make it a selling point. I don't know if it'll be that interesting <laughs> to people at that time. Well, you, I really you, think you, that people are sick of hearing about the iPhone, but if they can say, oh, you can do these five things with it and the demos are incredible, then people will rush to buy that iPhone. I don't know if Apple is the type of company that can deliver on this anymore, but they, uh, I certainly want to see them have a go at it. But I'm okay with waiting a couple of years. Yeah, and, and you mentioned at the beginning that, that part of the reason that, that this is such a big rollout and that it happens you know, every 10 years or so is that there's extensive infrastructure building that needs to happen. They it's need slow. to put up not, towers. Yeah. And and that's started in some markets. I, th- I think is it, I want to say Houston is, is one of the initial rollouts, but uh, there are, the majority of the country does not have 5G coverage yet. And it's going to take a while before it gets there. Uh, with major investment by Verizon, Sprint, and AT and T. Yeah, again, there are. It's. We. I go back to that self-driving car episode when I said that there. There's like this misleading graph that says technology um, is upgrades like quicker and quicker and quicker. But no, there are still some really long-term projects that happen, and uh, these cellular networks are one of them. <laughs> rebuilding that entire infrastructure takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. And every time you do it, there are brand new problems to solve. Yeah. Well, and, and there's, there's some interesting the order caveats of magnitude. there that, uh, so we, we, we mentioned that frequencies come into play here. Um, what everyone's talking about is the millimeter, millimeter wave frequencies, um, that are, that are part of 5g. It's, it allows much higher bandwidth, but also, uh, there's a trade-off there because in, in the uh, the world of uh, electricity and magnetism, there there is no free lunch, uh, so you get much higher bandwidth. Uh, but a a given tower with a given given amount of power has a much shorter range. So in order to cover the same areas, they need to put up more towers. Um, this is also is that the with, only solution. Yeah, sorry, what, what do you combine it with? There 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 may be some other ways around that, but uh, there there are also. 5G is not just the millimeter wave frequencies. There's also some lower frequencies in play, which leads to the the issue that 
uh, not all 5G devices will be compatible with all 5G networks. So you may have, uh, you know, perhaps uh, Verizon will only make use of the millimeter wave portion. Uh, And so they're going to probably make sure that any products they're selling uh, as, as, you know, Verizon 5G phones are aligned with that portion of the network. Uh, but if you're in an area that uh, is is dependent on AT&T's uh, 5G network, uh, they may have a combination of the the high frequency and low frequency, or they may just have some of the low frequency 5G uh, uh, components. And your phone is not guaranteed by virtue of being quote unquote 5G to play nicely with all aspects of 5G. Yeah. So, so oh, you could you very well have a 5G you... phone and be yeah. in a city that has a 5G network, but they don't dovetail to each other. Do you remember back when there was the, the dichotomy between, what was it, CDMA and what was the other one? I don't remember what GSM? Those, yeah, I, I, I remember like I had one and then it wouldn't, like half of them worked in half the countries and when you're traveling. Well, so it's, it's, I, it's still a thing. It's that, still, uh, still a thing? I, I, I want to say that, that uh, there's a difference between like the Sprint and the AT&T network that the, the I mean, it's it's there's a fundamental difference in the technologies they use for for switching i believe that is not necessarily compatible and that's that's part of why uh when you buy a phone uh it's it's not just locked to a network because they're being jerks about it it's that uh you know there there's there's a version of the phone that has the right antennas and the right chips to play on one company's set of of antennas and another that can play on the other and yeah and there might there, there are some that can can do both but it's not necessarily a uh, the the water doesn't flow equally in both directions in that in that equation right okay so um what's the upgrade there's one more thing i want to mention and then if there's nothing you want to mention we should go on to uh some of the ces stuff um but then there's the question of uh, can this replace fiber for homes and offices? In other words, if you're near particularly one of the higher frequency areas where you can get this high speed 5G connection, um, do you need uh, Fios at home? And so if the answer is no, that's really interesting. I remember when I moved into a new apartment, um, Verizon took like three weeks to set up internet. It was really, really frustrating. Um, if uh, If I had if I could do everything I needed to do on the cellular network, I might not, I might not bother with it. Yeah. I mean that, that, that's the one advantage. And I how big there. of a deal is that? I so, mean, it, so, could be, it could be a big deal in terms of the, the business model of these companies like Verizon and such, because yeah, on, on the one side, I'm own. hesitant to get excited about that because you know, who, who, uh, who provides, cable in in some markets well uh it, it's it's verizon uh who yeah. who is you know which they forced all, me to get also all stuff a cellular company and and in some places it's 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 you know dish network is your your satellite but guess what dish and at&t are in bed with each other so is it is it really going to change that much who you're bought you know buying that service from because it's really the same companies behind it right uh, pro- probably they they will get their pound of flesh no matter how you go yeah, about getting your your internet connection. But if it makes the uh, the setup process and the integration less painful, then I I might be willing to to take that in exchange for right, if, perpetuating if, their monopolies. Yeah, it, it is right. If you want to be overly optimistic about it, um, it could 
uh, it could make cord cutting a little bit easier, you know, just getting rid of, um, like I'm, I'm almost at the point where I just get rid of cable, you know, um, get HBO, uh, get something that, that allows me to get movies. Cause I have like, you know, Netflix, Amazon, whatever. Um, and then, um, and then, yeah, for, forget all of it. I mean, a lot of people do it, but it may be, um, Maybe this could accelerate that process, but like you said, <laughs> these companies are going to think of something to uh, to fight back against that. Although there is an outside chance that they could kind of embrace something that's a lot more streamlined. Yeah, well, and and there's there's a potential argument to be made, and it really <laughs> depends on the business case for uh, you know there's there's no way we could we could make the the finances work to lay uh, you know fiber optic cable to this less densely populated uh, further from an urban center area. But we can throw up some 5G towers and get them an equivalent service at much less infrastructure cost, and and now they're being better served. I, I don't know if if the money works out right to to justify that case, but but that's that's one possible direction that this could go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to wrap that up. Any, uh, unless you have something to add, I think we want to just go. I, I, I think back we've to the CS. we've said more about five G than I I was. Well, let, let me throw out one one tidbit. Uh, I, I have a, <laughs> except for one thing. <laughs> yeah, I I have a friend who uh, who works in in that kind of uh, electromagnetic uh, communications spectrum world uh, and. Uh, well, well, he's not working directly on 5G. He's working on some stuff that, that kind of interfaces with that. Uh, and uh, I, I was, I was chatting with him last weekend, and I looked down at his his uh, old uh, iPhone. Uh, it, it may have even been an, a, a a four, but I think it was an iPhone five something. Uh, and and I saw it said 5G on it. I was like, oh wow, you 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 got a, a 5G sticker on that. How's that work? He says, yeah, I, I put the sticker on, and now it's 5G. And it's it's just like what some of the uh, the cell phone retailers are doing that they're what? they're labeling these. It, it doesn't do anything, but it looks really cool. <laughs> so I just so, need a six G so, sticker. Yeah, buyer beware that I, I, with with the infrastructure not yet being fully in place, and with uh, some some sellers maybe touting five G capability that really hasn't materialized yet. Yeah. Okay, so CES in 2019. I, uh, this is this is the one where you were kind of on assignment. I wish I could send you to CES, but uh, <laughs> budget was a little tight this year. Uh, but uh, so we're looking at again at the New York Times, um, 2019, January 3rd. Tech 2019 overhyped.htm is the is the link. So yeah, you can so- tell what they think. They they put the uh, their opinion in the headlines. Um, no, actually, that's not. Um, yeah, the headline is devices that will invade your life in 2019 and what's overhyped. But the URL is just tech 2019 overhyped. So we know what they're really thinking. Yeah. Um, and, and they start off by talking about how how AI was the top trend in 2018. And, and it is again in 2019. So clearly that means that we're not in a, a period of, of rapid uh, can I just innovation, but say something but that, uh, iteration annoys me with this because AI can mean so many things these days. Well, yeah. <laughs> and let's start, look, I mean, it could mean the big data. They're, they're, they're spying on you. They know your every move. They're coming to get you. That's AI. It could be, you know, I hear and just from listening, you know, listening to a lot of radio and listening to a lot of podcasts. Oh, someone is going to invent general AI and it's going to get out of control. And um, 
and it's going to take over the world. And yeah. Thanks, I don't buy ahead. any of that. I don't buy any of that crap. There's, but but I, I was listening to someone this morning who was who was talking about that. And um, can can you a train lot of, your? Uh, well, I, I guess you can't. You can't but, change but AI, the trigger word for your Amazon uh, assistant device beyond the preset values. Because well, I don't know. But, but I, I'd really again, like I to have mine that, respond to right. Skynet. AI, Skynet, yeah. So AI can also mean just these sort of chatbot type situations where we anthropomorphize our current set of technologies, which you know does use a lot of kind of AI. There, there are machine learning and natural language processing algorithms under the hood, but that's just sort of the consumer AI that we know. So what sort of AI are they talking about here, really? Uh, they're they're talking in generalities, and they they do touch on on digital assistants. I, I digital think that's assistants. a big piece of, of yeah. where they were going with that. But uh, because I'm a contrarian, I've I've chosen to take the opposite uh, tack to what what the article was was kind of laying out there, and and I'm choosing to see that 2019, 2019 isn't just a year of saying the same thing and and minor iterations. I think that this year we're going to deliver on all the stuff that was promised in 2018, but didn't come to fruition. So, so, so that's I, that's my optimistic take for, for the moment. Give, give an example of that, because sometimes there are certain things where, you know, people are like, one more year, one more year, one more year, mm. and it just turns out to be a very difficult problem. Like an example would be, um, you know, this is the year where we're going to come out with an AI assistant that you could really have a human-like conversation with. Well, that's... Well, so- so one one that I'll I'll hit on uh, one of the last things they talk about in this article is autonomous driving and they they make the statement uh, there's going to be a lot of noise about automotive technology but nothing distinct or specific uh, and and I'm going to take a strong disagree on that um, and and perhaps I have some insider pr- perspective on this because uh, my company has a a automotive division that uh, is heavily involved in supporting autonomous driving um, so. I, I am very confident that there will be distinct and specific developments in the autonomous driving realm in 2019. However, uh, you are not going to see uh, consumer-ready level five uh, ADAS in 2019. Yeah. So that, well, of course again, that we, level five is yeah. that, you know, hands off, asleep at the wheel. Maybe there isn't even a steering wheel. That's not coming. But there are a lot of, of driver assistive, uh, you know, a- a- autonomous technologies out there that that either are or will be rolling out in 2019 and and that's concrete advancement there it's it's not nothing it's just you know it's you know we're we're not seeing the the flying cars of 2019 uh but but we are seeing advancements in in smarter cars there seems to be this this like i can almost relate it to politics with the media where there's this cycle of overhype and disappointed so (laughs) everything is getting better and better but they're always prepping you to be disappointed about everything. Um, and it's just, um, I guess that's not exactly the same as what's going on in, in, in politics, but it's the, it's the same sort of um, weird media cycle where they can't stop themselves. Well, and, and because, so autonomous driving may be an interesting uh, a separately interesting case because I, I think a lot of the startups in that area are coming to the realiza- realization of, huh, this this is a lot harder of a problem than we initially thought. 
Yeah, how do you um, do a startup as, in autonomous driving? That would be, well, I mean, I could see you consult for the big companies, but it seems like you really need a big... When, when, I, when I say a startup, I, I don't mean like, you know, a garage startup, but I mean companies that are not traditionally automotive companies that are doing oh, I this. I see, I see. Yeah. So, so I would venture to say that your Audis, your General Motors, your Ford, your Chevy, they... They know what they're doing here, and they are not the ones who are making grand sweeping predictions, uh, you know, claims about how how you know, they're they're not pitching the things that like a Tesla is. Yeah, I saw a very because they know better, they're, and about... they're making they're doing yeoman's work, making advances here, but they're not overselling because yeah, they've been in the automotive world for you know fifty, sixty, uh, close to when when did the the first. Uh, Fords roll off the assembly line. We've got to be coming up like close to 100 years, years now. Yeah. Um, so, but I did, so they know they know this market better than than any of these new you know new kids on the block. They're not going to risk their 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 market positions over making promises that they can't deliver on and that their shareholders are going to hold them accountable for. I, I would add a caveat that like um, you know sometimes the incumbents don't really get the. The new technology that well, but I don't think that's. The oh, case but they're going to co-opt the shit out of it as soon as yeah. somebody else breaks through the barrier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, it's, so- it's well, yeah. I, I was about to go off on a completely unrelated tangent, so <laughs> I'm going to pack that away. No, you can, but I, 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 no, I think you're right. I think that they 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 are getting it. Um, not that you know. I think Waymo is way ahead, but I just think that. Um, you know, I already saw someone on Twitter saying, like, you know, essentially, you know, we'll, we were promised level five. They don't say level five, but they said we were promised level five. It turns out we'll never get level five. You know, <laughs> self-driving cars is not, you know, is not that interesting. It's like, no, actually, it's going to be bring really huge advantages, advances even before we get to level five. And then I think ultimately we'll get there. It's take a really long time. Um but uh, yeah, you can continue to talk about that. We have a few other things to go. Uh, but yes. Well, yeah. So let's 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 move on to another topic here. So all right, uh, we 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 talked about AI when we opened up this discussion here. Yeah. Uh, so and and digital assistants. Digital assistants. So uh, there was a lot of stuff rolled out that had either uh, Amazon digital assistant, I will not name the name, or, or the Google digital assistant. It's uh, okay. I them. have headphones. <laughs> they and and it, it wasn't so much talking about the advances that these products themselves have made, just that they're being integrated into more and more things. Um, right. And, and they're, they, they basically gobbled up the market share. So not in this article, um, because I don't think it had happened uh, yet as of, as of January 3rd, but, but between then and now, uh, there was a development with one of the lesser players in that field, um, Microsoft's Cortana Digital Assistant. Uh, and they have actively split Cortana from Windows Search. So before they, they were one and the same, they're splitting it out now. And their intention is that uh, Cortana is going to be their, their digital assistant and they want it to be able to interface with other digital assistant systems, with other, you know, with, with other capabilities. So they're, they're not trying to directly compete with uh, you know, Google Assistant and the Google Home or, or Alexa and, and the, uh, you know, the Alexa integrated smart home type systems, uh, but perhaps they want to be the front end that you interface with, and then it interfaces with those. Um, you know, and- there are a lot of bot makers that want to be that guy that, that you know, the, 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 a lot of companies want to build the God bot, um, essentially is what it's called. And um, 
I don't know if that's the way to go. I, it's, I've been hearing well, I, about I think it's a so... smart move on their part, even if they well, Microsoft, can't achieve yeah. that, because they, they realize that they Here's are not going to smart. win against Google or, or Amazon yeah. for what Google and Amazon are doing. Sure. They, need, they need to compete in a different way. The API and, strategy is always smart. Uh, being yeah. able to, um, you know, like Avnish said, work cross-platforms with a lot of different systems and make it really easy for developers to work on top of Cortana. I could tell you firsthand, I tried to work, well, but this was a couple years ago, they may have improved it, but trying to work on top of um, Google Assistant was not that easy. Um, maybe they've improved, they were kind of just well, starting and, and but if, if you yeah. think about uh, people who might have both a, a Google Assistant device and, and an Amazon uh, Assistant device in their home, yeah. Uh, or, or, you know, switch between the two. Uh, you, you've got to remember the quirks of of each system and and what the you know the verbal sure. cues are and the interfaces and or you know oh, is is the uh, the command to turn on my dining room lights? Do I call it? Is it is it dining room? Is it dining room lights? Is it yeah? Is it I could, D lights? What, I what, have, what have I few, labeled it as? But I always I, have I, to say the word trigger because it's an if trigger. And so that makes it annoying. I can't just say you know, yeah. So, turn on lights. So if if you could have some some third party uh, solution sit on top of that that you have more control over and and it can translate all that into whatever the proper you know middle layer uh, controller is there then that that may be a a path to a more convenient uh, solution for for the the end user I, I don't know that the Cortana is going to win that fight but it's it's interesting that they've made that separation. Yeah, that is an interesting idea. All right. So, and I think that um, if you could actually be the layer that you could talk to, maybe that will, maybe, maybe that works. But I just don't see, uh, like, th- then it's like another system that you have to buy on top of the two old systems. Like, it just seems like you're adding complication, not taking it away. That yeah, well, is another and, and risk. I don't know if we've talked but, about it on the show before, yeah. but the idea that that you can kind of, substitute in your own digital assistant or, or you know, substitute in your, your own choice of algorithm without having to change out all of your hardware and all of your infrastructure would be a, a coup for the, for the consumer. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it kind of opens, opens the floodgates for, for more competition on developing a better algorithm for that. Um, I, I, I don't think this is going to go that route, but, but it's, it's trying to parallel that in some ways. All right. So moving on, we have two more things to discuss. There's security and there's a, there's virtual reality, which I kind of have um, some issues with. But let's start with security. Yeah. So on secure, the security side, there, there are kind of two things going on here. One is that uh, you're seeing some, some security as a subscription service uh, products coming out. Um, the, the idea is that in, in this more connected world, so, so we, we said before that there are all these new devices that have uh, Amazon or Google uh, interface now um, in your house. So whether that's your, your microwave or your refrigerator or your, your washing machine or your speaker system or whatever, um, your, your, your lights, your garage door, your doorbell, your thermostat, they're all tied together. Uh, and so that's more things that can be hacked. Um, so there, there are a couple of different uh, companies providing a solution at the, at the network level where they, they will essentially secure your routers, secure your whole network, um, and, and protect you at that level. Uh, 
two two things there. One one is that I take issue with this whole uh, put a Band-Aid on it at the router approach, which in theory, yeah, that'll work. But why aren't we designing the endpoint devices to have built-in security, you know, basic built-in security uh, as part of them? And and the, the blunt answer there is that, A, nobody thought about it. And B, well, that's hard and expensive. So nobody thought about it. Uh, yeah. But but it's it's a major failing on on the part of these developers, um, both in in the hardware and software side, that, that there's not really any thought being given to security at, at the device level, and so we have to basically put a a a, a security fence around it at the, the 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 home router level. The other piece is that it's moving to a security as a subscription service model, which which is interesting. You're seeing that in a lot of other places, uh, software as a service um, for, for for various various use cases. Uh, I, I don't like it because I don't, I, I, I've, it's, it's just a way for them to extract more money from me. Uh, right, but, right, and then you forget about it and then you're, you're but, kind but of this wondering is, this like, is a use case do I really need what they're sense. selling? Yeah. Because if, if they're actually doing a good job, it, to, to, to maintain that security, it requires constant, you know, up, updates of, of the system, uh, improvements. Cause sure. it's, it's a, it's, it's an, an adversarial situation. It's, it's not like against hackers. Yeah. It's, it's not like a, a, a Microsoft word subscription where I pay a certain amount a month to be able to, to use, use word and, you know, they'll roll out some additional features occasionally, but, but it's not like if, if I just purchase the, the, uh, you know, one-time desktop version, uh, well, it's going to get, you know, it's, it's going to stop working in six months. It's no, it, it, it'll work pretty much indefinitely. It just, I won't get new features. So I, I think there's, there's a good motivation for going this route, but I, I still don't like moving to a subscription model when I, I don't like the cash grab aspect of it. It makes me uncomfortable. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm a okay. cheap bastard. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't like anything that like every time I go into my account, it's like someone's extracting money from me every month. I don't even remember what this is. And it's just like uh, half the stuff is things I don't even need anymore. It's just uh, <laughs> um, someone's piggy bank out there. I don't like that feeling. Um, okay. Virtual reality. Last yeah. one. Um, so- Matt, virtual reality has been, I think some people were trying to make it happen in the 80s. If oh I, yeah, it's for, for forever. And now, um, I, you know, uh, Facebook, by buying Oculus, really wanted to make virtual reality huge. Um, this is something that I think hasn't panned out as quickly as people had hoped. The technology's there. It's not really about, you know, it's not really about building a, a, a better, you know, uh, computer or anything like that. It's not about, you know, we have pretty good software. Well, it, it's it, about telephones. It is and it isn't. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, 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 the full quote from, from this article is, <laughs> it's the, the, the industry has been plagued by high-cost hardware, motion sickness, a dearth of com- compelling content, and a general lack of consumer interest. That last um, one is what's killing it. Yeah, well, so so they've, they've got a bit of a chicken or an egg issue here. I, I think they've overcome most of the, the technical challenges, with the exception of high-cost hardware. Um, and it's it's gotten a lot better. It's certainly within reach. Um, but... If they can make it even cheaper, then then there's the pen- potential for market penetration. But the, the the chicken or the egg aspect here is that there's there's no content, and the reason there's no content is that nobody's making that content, and no one's making that content because nobody there's there's not an install base of people to sell it to. 
who already own the hardware and nobody's buying the hardware because there's no content you know there's there's not a must have you know VR exclusive uh experience that's that's justifying them to go out and buy it well but think about it i mean so theoretically video game consoles would have the same problem and yet um well it's become a tough business recently but they overcome that problem by having their kind of in-house games uh right that and, and so but why is it that a vr company can't have their in-house applications is are is it just because there are they can't find applications that like have this mass appeal that everyone's like oh i have to go out and buy a vr headset because i want this application i want this killer app uh, maybe that doesn't exist right now. Yeah, it's 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 not there yet. Um, there, there's some cool experiences, but it it, it falls to the level of yeah. I'd be quick. happy to go and to a, a mall and see a demo, and I did that. The, once. the analogy I would make is uh, is 3D in in movies. That uh, the the killer app for that was uh, oh god, what well, Avatar. Uh, I was yeah, going to say Fern Gully of the right. Smurfs, but uh, but but it was it was kind of a, a one off. It was a flash in the pan. Every everyone went to see it except for me, uh, and and thought it was amazing. And then yeah, I saw it, unfortunately. nobody I liked it, but it wasn't. No, nobody did anything else with it after that, other than you know some movies did a gimmicky thing where they throw in one scene that takes advantage of 3d and you can tell when you watch it afterwards that oh this is the part where they did something funky with 3d but because i'm watching it on dvd at home and i don't have a 3d uh you know television that it, it just looks forced well no i mean look I, i've gone to the movies quite a bit and see like the harry potter movies and things like that uh have pretty extensive 3d and they're pretty cool to see in the theater but I stopped going so much because then, like, each ticket ends up being, like, $30. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then I have uh, the TV that I got has 3D glasses. I have 3D glasses. They're, they're right next to the TV. And I just never used them. I never bothered. It's just, let's just watch the... Let's just watch the TV. Let's just watch the movie flat. I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to make me reach over and grab those glasses, but it doesn't. It's uh, it's an even it's an it's even weird, right? I should. I should. wearing Google glasses. Yeah, yeah, I should. Um, but VR is even worse. You actually have to put something over your head. You can't see what's going on around you, and it's like that's not that's, something. That's that you one of the do. complaints I've heard about it, and, and yeah. I don't have any firsthand experience, but. It's isolating um, that that even if you're in a VR world with with other people to to enter that that VR world, you basically have to cut yourself off from everyone around you. So so you can't like hang out with friends and, you know, like, like you, you can watch assuming you have the right equipment. You can watch a 3D movie with friends from your couch. Sure. Uh, you can play a video game. Or, or, or you can even you can watch you know each other playing a video game and pass the controller around even if it's not a you know local multiplayer on the couch game. Uh, it's much more difficult to do that experience with VR because you've got the one person who's in it, and I suppose you could have other people watching that, but but they're they're seeing you know a, a, either another view or the view from that person, but they're not in the rig and so they're not having the experience so it's, yeah but you don't, and, and you don't want to pass that thing around to get everyone's hair stuff on okay. you right and <laughs> and, it, and i i feel like it would be a a weird 
perhaps the the logical extreme of uh, what what people are saying about our culture, how we've all got our heads deep in our cell phones, that even even when you you get a group of people together in the same room to hang out, everybody's looking at their own phone and not talking to each other. So now imagine that, except instead of everybody looking at their phone, everyone's got on VR goggles. Yeah, uh, it's like why even bother? And they're all sitting in the same room, but they're even if they're interacting with each. Yeah, it's. I don't see it. I don't it see it. But I will say <laughs> that some of this technology is getting, you know, frighteningly real, realistic. Um, it's just there hasn't been a use case for it yet. So yeah. well, I think we've done over. They're doing some yeah. really cool stuff with haptics, which mm. uh, I, I think is is amazing. I I don't know that there's a a good use case for it outside of of, of again, you know, gimmicky or or you know, kind of tailored experience stuff, but. I, I want it right. to, to Well there was there was that Shark Tank cool. there was that Shark Tank where it was like a VR headset someone was pitching a VR headset on top of this um I, I think it was like a omnidirectional treadmill type thing. Yeah, there, there are so a couple of companies doing stuff like and that. It, yeah. It's and, and, and they invest they were like this is awesome I want one but what how are you going to get tons of people first of all you need like a big space in your home. I, <laughs> I was I was watching a funny Twitter Twitter feed last night about how like, oh, I always put my Peloton bike in my fifteen million dollar <laughs> penthouse, you know, because that's where all the uh, that's where all the commercials have the picture. Yep. Like you're 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 like in the in the greenhouse. Yeah, well, the the, the one place you are seeing VR, uh, but it's like where would you for, put that? For consumers, and where would you, something in, that expensive. I don't know in, if people a, are going to buy it. You're not going to buy it for your kids. So you're seeing it at, at basically uh, VR laser tag, basically where where you've got a you know facility. It's it's in, in a, you know in a strip mall or a big warehouse somewhere where everybody puts on their VR helmets, and it's it's almost more of like an augmented reality type thing. It's like okay, so yeah. now we can we can you know drop in zombies or or whatever the uh, the the you know the, the the villain du jour is, and you can you can shoot them up with your team of friends. Uh, and 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 they because they can justify the the expense of all the equipment to do that, and you can justify going to play it for you know an hour with some friends, but but you're not going to drop the money for a full full rig like that and put it in your home and you know set set up the you know w- whether it's the cameras or the sensors, m- most people aren't aren't into it enough for that to to make sense for them. Yeah. But as, but as a, a one you know one one time experience a, a one off that that makes sense, uh, but but if it's relegated to that world, then we're not going to see the kind of innovation that that I think everybody was hoping for. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if you have ideas for applications on these technology or uh, predictions on where some of this stuff is going to go, please email the show localmaxradio at gmail Aaron, thanks for coming on today. I think we just recorded two shows. Oh, yeah, we, we said we were going to do 20 minutes, and, and here we are 90 minutes later. That's okay. That's okay. We, we record two shows, and uh, that way, uh, you know, that, that way it's all done. Two, two very excellent shows, I might add. So, okay. Uh, anything else before we go? Uh, I, I'm sure there is, but I can't think of it. <laughs> all right. That's a no. Um, <laughs> so, all right. I'll, uh, I'll, we'll put this out, and um, I, uh, I, Thanks for going through these articles with me. I'm fascinated by this stuff. This is a little bit outside my area of expertise, but it's very important to me when it comes to you know trying to forecast um, 
what products are good to work on. And if you're an engineer, you're working on machine learning or just software engineering or uh, client side, server side, you really want to have a pulse on where different types of technology is, is going and consumer technology is, 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 is one of those. And so I think it's worth bringing up from time to time. So thanks again and have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com if you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power. And she said, I don't care what you say. You're gonna say.